Our Father and our God, we bless your name today. Thank you for this wonderful opportunity to come in corporate worship, Lord. We want to thank you for being yet in charge of everything. I'm so glad that yesterday you didn't give up on us, Lord. I heard one preacher say, Lord, I caught woke up this morning and called God blessing me. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I peeked over from under the covers and God had put a new day in my life. And I want to I wanna thank him for how good he's been to me, Lord. And, and then when I started taking inventory, he put new feeling in my, in my feet, Lord. And I, and I want to thank him for that. And then, and then I knew who I was. I, I was clothed in my right mind. For that, I want to say thank you, Lord. And, and then you woke me up with a purpose in my heart, Lord. And today, I want to thank you for being still in charge of my life. And I, and I want the world to know I'm, I'm making true confession today, Lord. I love you. Yeah, I, I'm in love with you, Lord. And I, and I want to thank you for loving me, for being with me, Lord. And thank you for pouring your spirit into me, Lord. Thank you for guiding me and for not, not giving up on me when I didn't do right. I love you, Father. Bless us now in this place. Bless the word that you poured into me, Lord. Help the word to be a refreshing for someone. Let it saturate someone, Lord. Let it, let it, let it produce fruit in their lives. Lord, we thank you for all you've done and nothing greater, nothing more significant, nothing more important than giving us the best that heaven had. And that was your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his holy name that I live this. Amen. 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 We have traditionally identified the month of November as Stewardship Month at 45th Street. Each month has a theme here at 45th Street, and this, this is not new. Those of you who've been here know that November is Stewardship Month, and we have tried to concentrate our messages and our purposes and our actions during the month according to the theme. So this being no different, this stewardship month. We've identified it as a month of talking about wellness. Wellness. And so uh, that's why you see our conversations with Dr. Moore on Wednesday nights on our Street Talk edition of our Bible study. Dr. Moore is a clinical psychologist from UAB. He's actually, I said it Wednesday, he's actually a young brother, but he's in the Hall of Fame of counselors from UAB. We spoke with them on Wednesday night about some issues pertaining to mental health. Mental health, and I thought it was a very engaging conversation on Wednesday, but this week, this Wednesday, we're going to talk about another conversation, and that is, what's it called in addition, Street Talk. Uh, I'm sorry, forgive me. It's called Let's Talk About It. It's for brothers. Brothers, let's talk. Because men don't talk about themselves a whole lot. 
And so we'll, uh, we'll have him guiding the conversation with some members of our, con our congregation. Hopefully it'll bring us some new light on some things that are going on within our community. I heard Cass preaching about um, people with drug problems, people with substance abuse problems. And you might not know why that's at the top of his mind, and that's because what he does every day. That's what he deals with every day. There's somebody in our community who has to deal with that every day in Casanova's secular job at Salvation Army. And he's in charge of all of that training at Salvation Army and the guidance over there. So he knows how people are struggling in our community. I too know how people are struggling with mental health issues in our community. And so while it may not be in your house right now, it's on your street. And if it ain't in your street, it's in your community. I can tell you right now, this is an issue that is in our area and it's pervasive. And we need to get a grip on what's going on with, with wellness. Why do you say all that, Reverend Spark? Well, because I think one of the things that people are struggling from is a place to go to get hold. I think people don't know where to be to get better. It's okay not to be okay, but how do you go somewhere and get better? And what is the forum for doing it? I think the church is constituted for that purpose. The church is not just for people who are doing all right. Really, the church is for folk who are doing all wrong and want to get right. Yeah, but we got to make sure that we are open and able to in infuse people who are trying to get that way, because I I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand and show it, but uh, I wonder if anybody in here has ever been all wrong in your life. I just want to know, don't, don't show me now. Don't show me, but, but think about it. If there's been a time in your life when you hadn't been right. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I'm telling you right now, the fact that you're sitting in here with me right now tells me you thank God that there was a place which you, that you could get right about. Yeah, and I think that we need to make sure that we can invite other folk. Go get other folk, because, see, they're not going to come in here on their own. Oh, oh, no, no, no. No, no, no. We got to make ourselves appealing enough for them to come and share their lives with us. And so that leads me to this sermon series that the Lord has put on my mind for, on my heart for this month. And it's, we're going to talk about the law of the harvest. The law of the harvest. Yeah, and it's coming from Mark, Gospel according to St. Mark, chapter 4. Familiar passage of scripture for, for you, verses 26 through 29. And let me say this too. This is a this is an interruption in my sermon. I was naming all the ways we communicate with people, and most obvious one that I didn't announce was through our video announcements every week, which takes a lot of time to put together. And we thank God for the four or five productions team that puts that stuff together as well, because it's a, it's crucially important. And if you don't get it in the service, it's on our website every week. You can go back and catch those announcements. Okay, Mark chapter 4, verses 26 through 29. I think you'll enjoy this. And this message is probably going to be done in parts because I don't know that I can get it all in uh, this morning with you. And the word of God reads as follows. He also said, I'm starting at verse 26. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. And night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, 
the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Because the harvest has come. Don't worry. I'm getting you there. Chapter 4 of Mark is a discourse that Jesus is having with his disciples. And in it, he uses parabolic phrases, parabolic sayings to teach them about what the kingdom of God is going to be like. Now, he could have just come out straight and said, but you have to understand the context that Jesus Christ was in. He was being challenged at every turn by the existing power structure. I've told you historical context is important when it comes to understanding scripture. And so in order for you, and I, I, I recommend for you to go back and read the other parts, I'm not gonna take the time in this service, of chapter four until you get to 26. That's how you put it in full context, what he's talking about. But he gets to the place of talking about how the kingdom of God grows. And because he's talking to folks who are used to farming, I know that we don't farm too much anymore, he uses an analogy that they understand. He uses discussions that they understand, and that's important when it comes to teaching people. You got to put it right down there where they can get it. I know we can talk real high, uh, high church. Yeah, but high church don't help nobody if they leave out still struggling. All right, and make it sound real good. Yeah, but what we want to do is make sure that people can walk out with something palatable and portable. They can take it with them. And so he uses parabolic saying, which is a parable. is something that simply means parable means alongside. That's what parable means. We talk to you about that. A parasol is something you carry on the side of you. A paramedic is a medic that comes alongside you. A parable is a saying that's along, and alongside that saying is an earthly meaning, all right? That's what a parable is. And he uses them to teach his disciples. And they confuse his disciples too, but well, they confuse them because he later has to go back and explain to his disciples what the parables mean. But we are able to come in and share a little bit about what he's talking about. See, we can tell from the discourse that Jesus had in Scripture that there are some things he just doesn't like. He just didn't like. All right? The first thing I can tell you that Jesus is not pleased with, Cass, is he can't stand going fishing without catching something. All right? Scripture tells us that. He doesn't like that. Jesus doesn't like having an empty banquet table. He wants everybody to be there. And when, when there ain't enough people there, he sends his disciples out to go get somebody there. Jesus doesn't like sowing without reaping. Doesn't like that. Jesus does not like a fig tree that has no fruit on it. I, 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 I'm telling you, it's in scripture. I'm not making this up. Jesus does not like lost sheep that nobody's looking for. He doesn't like that. He doesn't like lost coin in the house and you don't try to go find it. He wants you to stop what you're doing and, and go find it. He doesn't like a harvest, a good harvest that's not reaped. 
These are things that he doesn't like. And he, he absolutely doesn't like a proclamation that does not get a response to it. How do I know this? Because he stopped and he told these stories. And he shared with us how we are to deal with those circumstances. And so what I found from that, and what I think is important for us as we move forward in understanding about the harvest, is that I need to tell you this now. We got enough bosses. All right, when it comes to the harvest. We got enough supervisors. We don't need no more supervisors. We don't need no straw bosses. We don't need no managers. We don't need no line leaders. What we need is some workers to go out and find folk who are out there struggling because the scripture says that the field is white and ready for the harvest, but the workers are few. And the scripture says laborers. The laborers. Now, there's a, there's a difference between a laborer and, a, and, and the leader because the laborer get dirty. The laborer comes off the job with, with smudges and, and, and tears and rips on because he's been working all day long. And I came to tell you that the church needs somebody to work and go out. And so who is that? Who is that that goes out of work? Guess what? It's you. It's you. It's me. I don't know where we got to this place where we think it's just the preacher that gets up on Sunday and gets folk to come into the house of God. I don't know where we got to that place where we think that's the only way to bring people in. And in fact, I can tell you it's a failing way if it's just for folk who make it into the church on Sunday morning to come into the house of God. That, that, that's a failing way. No, no, no. It, do, it doesn't work that way. The way people come to the house of God is through personal evangelism. Through you talking to them about how God has been good to you. Watch this now. The New Testament records 40 people who were struggling with some kind of malady or disease. Each one of them had been probably in their condition for a long time, Denise, not getting any better. But each one of them, according to Scripture, were healed by Jesus Christ. Of this number now, of the 40 people, 34 of them were either brought to Jesus by friends or Jesus was taken to them. I hope you hear me now. They were struggling. They were in a troubled situation. But 34 of them got the healing they needed because somebody who loved them brought them or brought Jesus to them. Yeah, only six cases out of the 40. And only six of them did the sufferers find their way to Christ without any assistance. The point I'm trying to tell you is we got to help them get the help they need because the vast majority of people will never make it into the front door of 7600 Division Avenue unless we bring them to the house. They might make it by chance on the new front door of the church, which is our website. They might get that at the new front door of the church. They might get there, but not unless we point them to it. You ought to be telling folks, go to 45bc.org. Go to 76. You got to bring people to the Lord. And so that brings me to this message today. The core of it. How to deal with the heart.
how do you deal with the harvest? Since I know I got you sitting on the peak of ready. Because these laborers in here are ready. There are some rules that apply to dealing with the harvest. Just like there are rules to dealing with the physical harvest, those same rules apply in the spiritual sense. The same exact rules that apply to planting real seed apply to spiritual seed. I hope you'll walk with me on this now. The very same rules that apply. It's amazing how God has designed this. The same things that apply in the physical sense apply in the spiritual sense. The difference being the seed in the spiritual sense is the word of God. Yes, the seed. And guess what? How many of y'all know the, the word of God is a living organism? Oh, I know it's true now. I know it's true. I bet I can test you on it and you'll come with me. Somebody in here will jump up and testify that you've been down and struggling and you called to mind a scripture and the scripture quickened in you and made you feel all right just by remembering what God said. Yeah, yeah, you've been, you've been in a scary situation, Mildred, and and suddenly you remember that in Sunday school or BTU or, or maybe even it was a, 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 a some other late service, you remember that somebody said, greater is he who is in you than he who's in the world. And it made you feel good. And uh, maybe and that you were somewhere and somebody was treating you bad and you said, no weapon formed against me. Somebody here know what I'm talking about. Yeah, the word of God is a seed and it will grow and move and make you better if you can get it planted in the right soil. And so the question is, are we planting the seed anywhere or do we just simply have it? I said, this is the truth. Seed won't grow in the packet. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember as a little boy, you know, coming from school and it had been, I don't know what the day was, maybe we were studying farming, and they gave each of us a little packet of seeds. And I was so happy, you know, that was in a time with a little packet of seeds. I think a little packet of seeds will still make kids happy if you show them what to do with it. But I ran home excited because I could grow me something. And that packet lay on my dresser, and it lay on my dresser, and it lay on my dresser, and I was never able to get the, because a seed won't grow in the packet. I hope you hear me now. Somebody in here got a Bible when they were a baby. Yeah, somebody got a Bible, and you came home, and you put that Bible on your dresser, and Day after day, it lay on your dresser, and it lay on your dresser, and problems came, and it lay on your dresser. Why? Because seed won't grow in the package. You, you got to open that package, and you got to allow what God has ordained the process to get to that seed. Yeah, I got to tell you this. It's a sad thing, but in order for a seed to grow, it's got to die. You, you got to bury it. 
And when you bury it, something that happened in heaven, I don't know where it was, I don't know what the process was that God created up there, and I guarantee you, movie magic won't ever be able to tell you what it did in heaven to make a seed go in the ground, and something in the ground makes a, the pressure that God allows to happen on just a tiny seed will make it start to grow. Yeah. Make it start to grow. And God has put every element that that seed needs in its place. But the first principle you got to learn about the harvest, y'all, is you must plant the seed. Oh, yeah. Planting is the very first principle you got to know about. It's called implantation. If you're going to have a harvest, you got to plant. You can't ever get to reaping without planting. Notice this now in verse 26. Verse 26, Mark, the writer says, So is the kingdom of God as if a man should cast seed into the ground. Yeah, he scatters seed to the ground. There can be no harvest until you put the seed in the ground. Seed does nothing until it's planted. Nothing. It's got to be planted in the proper place. This is crucial. There must be water, which God supplies. There must be sunlight, which can't nobody supply but, but God. Got to be the right pressure. Got to be the right temperature. All these things are controlled by, by, by the Lord. And it doesn't matter how old the seed is, Piafra. Can I tell you something? Somebody told you something when you were a, tri a child, planted a seed in you that didn't start to germinate until you were grown. Doesn't matter how old the seed is. In the right conditions, it'll grow. It'll grow. National Geographic website reported that a, the oldest plant ever generated or regenerated has been grown from seeds that were 32,000 years old. Now, I don't know how they calculate all that. but The point is, there's always potential life in a seed that's planted. But the first thing you got to do is plant it. Everybody say plant it. Yeah. And watch this now. A seed is smaller than the fruit it produces. We'll get to that later. Yeah. yeah. But I do want to say this in this context, just for somebody who needs this this morning. The problems you're facing in life may seem huge, but a sermon or a scripture quotation can seem real small in comparison to the problem you have. But can I tell you, that seed or scripture planted in your spirit can grow big enough to take care of the big problem that you have. In fact, it can dwarf, it can dwarf your problem. But it's gotta be planted. Now that's how it works. That's how it works on the physical side that you gotta plant it to get the nourishment on the spiritual side. Jesus said, this is what the kingdom of God looks like. 
He draws a direct analogy, y'all. He says, a man scatters seed on the ground. So it's up to us. The man you might think is Jesus Christ, but we walk in Jesus Christ's stead. So we are the ones who are supposed to be scattering the seed on the ground. Everywhere you go, you ought to be peppering situations with the word of God. When you talk to folk, you ought to be sharing the word of God. This is our job to scatter that seed. It's not up to you to make the seed grow. Your job is to scatter the seed. We don't control the entire process. But we are just to do our part in it, scatter the seed. Scatter the seed. And the man, we're not going to get gender specific here. All right? The man means those who follow in Christ's stead, be they male or female, have a responsibility to scatter the seed. The first Protestant martyr in Korea was a man named Robert Germain Thomas. And in 1963, he went to Beijing and he met two traders there, two Korean traders, who told him about some Catholic converts who had no Bibles. So they were Catholic with no Bibles. So he became a representative of the Scottish Bible Society so that he could get Bibles for them. And he started traveling to Korea to sell those Bibles. On the way, he got a job as an interpreter. But as he was traveling, the boat he was on met some trouble politically, became involved in a firefight, with the Korean army. Thomas was in the every man for himself stand. He jumps overboard, but he takes his Bibles with him. When he gets to the shore, he starts handing the Bibles out to the crowd that's on the riverbank. The Korean authorities order the people to destroy the Bible. Instead of destroying them, the people who are impoverished take the Bibles and tear them apart and start using them as wallpaper. They paste the, pic, the, wall, the pages of the Bible on their house, in their house, as wallpaper. Thomas is killed. Later, some more missionaries come to the peninsula to bring Jesus to them, and they find that there's already a church there. And the reason there's a church there, somebody going to shout on this, is because some of them folks started reading the walls that had the Bible pages on it. And when they started reading the wall that had the Bible pages on it, some of them figured out about this man named Jesus. The word will never return void. It might not get that away you want it to get there, but it will always return positively. And they figured out that Jesus Christ was the way from reading the wallpaper that they just thought was some decorations. I came to tell you. Yeah. Yeah, the word won't return. Lord, it's got to be planted. And our job. It's just a planet. 
once you plant it, once you have planted, there's another very wonderful law, and it's called the law of identification. It's a good, good law, and, and some of us are struggling with this now because you are going to plant, but you can only grow what you plant. <laughs> Somebody need to hear me now. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna say this and then we out of here today. We gonna you got to grow what you plant. Yeah, yeah. We, and and we reap the same thing that we plant. Y'all know what I'm talking about, I hope. Uh, yeah, if you put a seed in the ground, a reasonable person can only expect that the kind of seed he puts in the ground will come in the harvest. A reasonable person. And some people have gotten unreasonable. Oh, yeah, some people have gotten unreasonable in this lifetime, and I'll tell you what I mean in a minute. In, in, in other words, if you plant wheat in the ground, guess what you're going to grow? Yeah. If you, put, if you put apples in the ground, you can expect that you're going to grow apples. Okay. So let me go ahead and tell you right now, there's this concept in school that they've been teaching for a long time called evolution. This kills evolution, all right? Because evolution deals with a big bang. Yeah, and the Bible is not foreign on that because the Bible said at the beginning God spoke. That's a bang, all right? Because he came out of nothingness and he spoke. That's a bang, all right? But, but the concept that they're coming up with is that things have evolved. And can I tell you that that's not what planting tells us from Scripture? Planting tells us there is a very sophisticated order to how God has done things. There's an intentional intelligence to how God has blessed us in this place. And this is what I want you to know. There is no such thing as evolution. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass and the herbs yielding seed and the fruit trees yielding fruit after its kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and the herb yielding seed after its kind. In other words, God designed it so that the apple tree could keep making apple trees. God designed it so that grass could keep making grass. Yeah, God designed the process so that every living thing could replicate itself by its own seed. Yeah, that's not evolution. That's by creative design. And it has been so since he created it. And the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after its own kind. And God looked back on it and you heard him when, in the scripture when he said, that's good. That's good. You reap after the seed you put in the ground. That won't change. You can't get oranges from an apple tree. You can't plant pears and expect peaches. Yeah, yeah. Can't do it. It can't be done. You're going to reap the same thing you sow. Now watch this now. You're walking with me on the physical point, but I'm telling you the same thing happens in the spiritual. What you sow you will reap. Just like you can't get apples out of pears physically, 
you're going to struggle spiritually too. If you sow discord, you can't reap unity. You can't sow messiness and expect to live a life of peace. If you sow hypocrisy, you can't expect to reap holiness. If you sow to the flesh, you can't reap of the spirit. It's simply the law of identification. Watch this now. If a child lives with criticism, then he learns how to criticize. If a child lives with hostility, he learns how to fight. If a child lives with ridicule, he learns how to be shy. If a child lives with shame, he learns how to feel guilty. If a child lives with tolerance, he learns how to be patient. If a child lives with encouragement, he learns how to be confident. If a child lives with praise, he learns how to appreciate. If a child lives with fairness, he learns how to have justice. If a child lives with security, he learns how to have faith. If a child lives with approval, he learns how to like himself. And if a child lives with acceptance and friendship, then he learns how to find love in the world. You reap what you sow. You can't have hell in your house. You can't reap that in your house. And expect that everything is going to turn out all right. Yeah, because you reap what you sow. And somehow people have gotten it twisted and think they can live any kind of way in their homes and reap nothing but good out of it. And I came to tell you, it always happens that you can't change the spiritual laws that happen. Just like you can't get apples out of orange seeds. You can't get good when all you do is so bad. That's just the reality of it. And I hate to be the one to bring it to you in one sense, but I'm also glad to be able to tell you today that you can change that when all you have to do is change your crop. <laughs> yeah, rotate your crop out. Instead of sowing bad, you can start sowing good. Yeah, that's how it works. Just, just rotate your crop out. And start figuring out how to plant good stuff. One day when Junior was 14, he noticed that his father was happy coming home from, from work. And, and he, he had gotten stopped for speeding by the police officer. But he had a friend named Jake down at the city hall. And then Jake got the ticket fixed for him. Yeah, so when Junior was 15, and he was with his mama in the car, and mama backed into a tree. The damage was pretty extensive. But mama said she was going to tell the insurance folk that somebody ran into her car at the parking lot downtown, and because of that, they could collect insurance money for it. Yeah, when Jake was 16 years old, I mean, when the boy was 16 years old, he listened to his granddaddy reminiscing, going on and on and on about the good old days when they used to get over under, with, uh, under the table food. You know, we used to get all this stuff we wasn't entitled to. 
So he's learning. Same night, his uncle was bragging about how they used to take advantage of folk in the business that he ran in order to make more money. Yeah. And he said he did a lot of his business under the table in cash because he didn't want to get an IRS all his money. When he was 18 years old, the family did everything they could to, to get him a paid scholarship to go to an Ivy League school because the boy really did have some promise, but they lied about their income so that he could fit into the right income category so that he could make it into the school and made it seem like they needed financial aid when he got there. But when he had a rough time in school academically, an upperclassman sold him the answers to one of the tests. He got caught and they expelled him from the Ivy League school. And when he returned home, his mama burst into tears crying, saying, where'd you learn all this stuff from? We see it in the context of other folks' lives. Little seeds sown grow up at some point. You must continuously sow good if you expect good to come. There's locked in us a likeness. We reap what we sow, but it's not just negative. It's also positive. If you sow good, Patience, love, temperance, all of that is locked in you too. Luke chapter 6, verse 38 says, Give, and it shall be given unto you. And so I came to tell you today, if you want to start getting money, y'all going to tell me I'm crazy. You're going to tell me I'm crazy. If you want to start growing your bank account, learn how to give to people. Learn how to give to people. Learn how to be generous. If you learn how to be generous, then you'll learn how to grow what God has blessed you with. It's simply the law of it's simply the law of the heart. So do you need love? Some of you say you don't have enough love? Start giving love. And the best people to give love to is folk who seem not to deserve it at all. If you want to have friends, the Bible says that a man who would have friends must first show himself to be. Come on now. So you got to be a friend. It's just the law of the harvest. Guess what? God loves us enough that he was willing to give to us the very best that he had. And in the spiritual sense, all he asks is that we give him back just as he's given to us. Can I tell you? The best thing you can give to him is to give yourself away. That's all he asked. He gave you his best. Can I tell you? Reciprocity says, if you are willing to give me your best, God, then I'm willing to give you my best. Now, I know you look at yourself and you might say, I ain't worth nothing. But to him, you say you're worth it. He says you're worth everything. Because he doesn't look at you the way you look at yourself. No, no. He sees you as his child. Yeah, can I tell you, those of you who've been struggling with your own children, it doesn't matter how much stuff they do wrong. When you look at them, they steal your child. That's how God looks at us, too. Yeah, it doesn't matter how bad we look. We still belong to him. And all he ever wants us to do is come back to him and say, Father, forgive me. 
So here's the opportunity for you today. I'm, I'm out of here. We'll continue with this Law of the Harvest next Sunday. But what I'm saying to you today is give yourself away. Accept his gift of salvation. Accept his gift of eternal life. Accept the fact that he was willing. I love this. Come on now. He was willing to die for you. Well, watch what happened now. He was willing to take the old relationship that we had with God and let it be keep so that he could be planted and resurrected into a new life with his father. Now, I don't know what happened in that sepulcher. Just like I don't know what happens in the ground when a seed is planted, but Jesus was the seed of a new relationship with our God. And he was killed and he was planted and he was resurrected into new life. And all he asked us to do is accept the gift of newness. Have you done it? Today's the day for you to do it. Accept the gift of salvation from him so that you too can spend eternal life with all of those of us who are going to heaven. And if by chance you've already accepted God's gift of eternal life, then today is the day for you. Maybe you will find a new place to worship, a new family to share with. I extend that invitation to you to come and be a part of our church family. We're trying every day. We're going to go out into the hedges and highways and to the street. We're going to get somebody. Why? Because the church can't keep growing unless we bring folks in. Yeah. I told Karen this morning, since we've been at 45th Street, we are now on our second generation of children since we've been here because all the babies who were here when we started out are in college and growing up and going out to make their own babies now. And so there's a new generation we got to deal with right now. We got to keep on growing and replicating that way. That's what we got to do, y'all. I need your help. The church needs laborers. Because they're out there waiting on us. Whosoever will, let them come right now.